Welcome to Chapter One with Houston Public Library, where we give you just enough story to get you hooked. Today's episode features Birthday, a novel by Meredith Russo, read by Lauren. This title is intended for teens, however, it may contain language or themes that some readers may find offensive. Recording is made with permission of Macmillan. Birthday, a novel by Meredith Russo. 13. Morgan. I'm holding my breath, hovering between wavering sunlight and deep, dark blue, arms twirling while my feet kick up and down, slow as tides. I'm not ready to go back up. Too much weights for me above the surface, but I know I can't just float forever. Life always forces you to move, one way or the other. The pressure in my chest is soon too much to bear. I hold my arms close and wriggle my whole body, shooting out of the water like a mermaid. A minute and a half, Eric hollers, splashing me in his excitement. I can barely make out his grin as I wipe water from my eyes. Told you, I say. I can see him clearly now. He's small, a few inches shorter than me, with smart, quick green eyes shoulder-length blonde hair, and a narrow angled face that swoops down to a point at his chin. You still want to take a turn, or do you just give up? Never, Eric says. He gulps in as much air as he can, holds his nose, and disappears under the water. I focus on counting out the seconds, lightheaded even though I finally caught my breath. My heart is hammering. I'm going to tell him when he comes back up. Ten seconds. I'm going to tell him I'm supposed to be a girl, that I can't stand being a boy anymore, that I feel like I'm dying a little bit more every day. 20 seconds. A girl a few years older than me in a red bikini strides by the pool, heading for some distant part of the water park. I catch myself staring at her body, at the shape of it, at how it moves. I realize I pressed my forearms over my chest and forced them back down. There's nothing to cover. 30 seconds. Eric's parents and my dad wave from their table near the pool and I wave back. I'm going to tell Eric, and if he takes it well, I'll tell Dad. It's not that I want to. I have nightmares about making things weird with Eric or adding more stress to Dad's life after everything that's happened. But more and more it feels like I'm going to explode. I've tried holding it in. Every day I feel a little more numb a little more monstrous. More afraid I'll look in the mirror and find myself twisting into a tall, hairy man who never gets to turn back. I've been thinking things that scare me, about not wanting to be alive anymore, and I need help. Maybe that help is my best friend, sitting calmly and letting me talk and telling me the way I feel is actually normal, that he's going through it too, that it's part of growing up, and we'll pass through it together. Maybe that's my dad finding someone I can talk to. A therapist or something. I don't know. But whatever it is has to happen soon. I'm 13, and the bone-twisting terrors of puberty feel close. 40 seconds. How do you tell someone a secret like this? How do you put it into words? 50 seconds. And Eric splashes back into view, arms flailing. How'd I do? He rasps. Terrible, I say. 
He splashes in my general direction. He's practically blind without glasses. And I laugh. <laughs> How long was I under? Not even a full minute, I say, splashing him back. Whatever, he says, rolling his eyes. We don't all have your natural talent. I run every morning, I say in a sing-song voice. I'd hoped exercising would stop being part of my life once I quit youth league football. But when your dad's a coach and a PE teacher, it turns out you're stuck. Work as hard as me and you'll be as good as me, scrub. I float on my back, closing my eyes as the sun warms my face and stomach. I take a deep breath. It's easier to imagine saying something when I can't see him. Hey, Eric? Yeah? If I tell you something, I say, will you promise to keep it a secret? Dude, Eric says, sounding almost hurt. Like you even need to ask. Good, I say. I open my mouth to tell him. My heart hammers. I glance to the side and find my best friend, a person I've known since the day I was born, watching me with open, curious eyes. Staring into them for too long makes my stomach tight in a way I don't like, so I swallow and look back up at the sky. If my life were a movie, the characters would always know what to say, and the boring, disgusting, embarrassing parts would be cut away in the blink of an eye. Indiana Jones would never need to have this conversation, and Godzilla didn't have a gender. It just stomped on cars and blew up buildings with nuclear fire. What a charmed life. So, Eric says. He falls back into the water and rises, blinking his eyes dry. Then he flips his hair out of his face and smooths it back. My stomach dips. I sink until I'm submerged up to my nose. So what is it? I blow a stream of bubbles and look away. He wades over and dips his face, smiling and handsome. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up into my field of vision. When he sees my face, his smile shifts the tiniest bit, showing confusion and frustration. I feel like I'm supposed to be a girl. I say it under the water, the sound coming up garbled. Did Eric make it out? He rolls his eyes. Fine. Don't tell me, weirdo. He didn't hear. I feel sick. Weirdo. Eric swims away, clambers over the edge of the pool, and stands, looking down at me as I follow slowly. Our parents call us over and I imagine saying it now. I'm really a girl. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds weird. We run to meet our parents, our wet footprints quickly drying on the hot pavement. Carson, Eric's dad, is wearing a big kahuna t-shirt and long black swim trunks. He's imposing, over six feet tall, with Eric's same blonde hair cut short and sharp green eyes that always seem angry. He used to like me back when I played football. I even thought of him like an uncle. But ever since I quit, he barely says anything to me, even when I sleep over at their house. I've always thought Eric's mom, Jenny, looked classic, like a starlet from a black and white movie. She makes me feel welcome at Eric's house, making sure I have a home-cooked meal whenever I'm over there. My dad, 
all rangy limbs and deep farmer's tan from rumbling around on the football field, gives me a tired smile and slouches back in his chair. Our parents have known one another for as long as Eric and I have been alive. They met at the hospital when we were born, trapped during a freak blizzard, the only September blizzard in Tennessee's history, apparently. During those three autumn days, Eric and I came into this world, and our parents, our families, became friends for life. Since then, we've done everything together. A shared birthday eventually became a shared everything. For a long time, our families were closer with each other than we were with our own uncles, aunts, and cousins. Then mom died. And not too much later, I quit the football team. At least we still do our birthday together. You boys ready for lunch? Jenny asks, lifting her oval sunglasses with a smile. I flinch at her casual use of the word boys, but try to hide it. It wasn't always like this. It used to be a dull pain, the ache of a bruise, a faint confusion when school activities split us into boys and girls, but in the last year it's grown unbearable. I might have said something sooner, vaguely remember wanting to say something sooner, but I actually used to like football, and I knew instinctively that two kinds of kids weren't allowed to play, girls and sissies. I didn't want to give up something I liked, and I didn't want to be made fun of. Back then, stamping down my confusion was easier, but over time it's turned into something like you'd see in a cartoon, where a character plugs a leak with their finger, only for two more leaks to pop out in its place. Feels like it's only a matter of time before the dam bursts right in my face. Not yet, Eric says to his mom as he twists the water out of his hair. I want to hit the vortex. Our white and blue birthday cake sits at the center of the table. It says, Happy birthday, boys, in red icing. So even if grocery store cakes didn't taste like trash compared to mom's baking, I still wouldn't want to eat it. I nod along with Eric and try to look like I'm excited about the vortex, too. Okay, Dad says, starting to rise. I'll come with you. Hey, hey, Tyler. They're 13 now, Carson says, leaning back and sipping his Coke. Maybe it's time to let out the reins a little bit. Maybe you're right, Dad says, scratching his cheek. He looks at me, giving me an are-you-okay expression. Dad used to let me run around like a crazy person. Used to say it was good for boys to scruff their knees. But then Mom got sick. And then she got sicker. Then a year ago, she was gone. And ever since, it feels like he's either always on the football field, gone, or trying to put a leash around my neck. It's like we're both treading water around each other, unsure of how to act without her. I let my hair fall into my face. It's always easier to view the world through the veil of my hair. I turn, and with my eyes locked on Eric, we jog away from the pool towards the main walkway, closer to the looming shadow of the vortex. You okay? Eric asks as we get in line and start to mount the wrought iron stairs. I'm fine, I say to him. I have to tell him. I have to tell him. 
Is it because you're scared of heights? Eric asks. I look around and we're almost to the top now. A breeze whips Eric's hair. A cloud of starlings wheels above the park like a school of fish. I'm not scared of heights, I say, rolling my eyes. I'm not scared of anything. What a lie. Then why are you acting weird? I'm not, I say. I look down at my feet and the dizzying vista visible through the gaps in the wrought iron. Eric gives me a look like he doesn't believe me. But before he can say anything else, we're on the top platform with the dark, open mouth of the water slide beckoning. An attendant guides us to a small, yellow, inflatable raft and instructs us to hold on to the handles, not to stand up, not to leave the raft, not to do any of the stupid things teenage boys apparently do. Which reminds me for the millionth time, I'm a teenage boy now. It's official. I feel sick. Ready? The attendant asks us. I nod. Eric shoots his arms into the air and hollers. The attendant laughs, nudges the raft with a sandaled foot, and suddenly we're wrapped up in dark, screaming motion. The raft careens through the tube, riding so high on the walls, whenever we turn it feels like we might go flying. Eric laughs manically, shielding his face with his arms as water sprays us. I laugh too. The excitement builds and builds, eclipsing every other emotion, until finally I yell into the darkness. Eric! I want to be a girl! All right! Eric shouts, and I can't believe it. All right? All right! He said all right. I just let my body laugh, let the laughter twist and erupt out of me like a poison flowing out of a wound, and suddenly I feel weightless. A circle of light appears, blinding at first, expanding at the speed of sound, and then we're bathed in sunshine, tumbling, flipping over the raft into the pool below. I'm the first to the surface. I tread in place for a moment, ignoring the rushing water, the screaming children, the music blaring over the park's PA. I told him. I told him. It's all right. Eric comes up a moment later, flailing and gasping for air, his eyes hidden behind a wet sheet of curly hair. I grab his arm and drag him to shallow water, sputtering and laughing at the same time. That was rad. It was awesome, I say, splashing as my arms fly into the air. All right. All right. He said all right. What'd you say in there? He asked me, panting. I couldn't hear. Oh, I say, my insides tightening up. He didn't hear. He doesn't know. I'd had a vision as I'd gone down the water slide, or a cloud of competing visions, all paradise in their way. Eric telling me I'm normal. Eric telling me I'm not normal, but he understands, and he'll still talk to me and keep my secret, and distantly, but shining gold and warm, a vision of myself as a girl, walking happily next to him at school, as if it's the most normal thing in the world. The visions flicker out like heat ripples on pavement. My stomach keeps twisting, but it's useless to try and stop it. I slowly wade my way out of the pool, everything spinning. I run to the nearest trash can, brace my hands on the rim. 
and throw up. Wondering what happens next? Check out Birthday, a novel by Meredith Russo, available in multiple formats at www.houstonlibrary.org. Thank you.